Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode in our series of When Life Happens. Today, we're joined with Gina Aguayo, who is a psychologist in a group. She has a group private practice in the suburbs of Boston. And we are talking today about business partnerships. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> Before we started, I, um, I was sharing with you about why I was excited to speak with you because I'm in a partnership <laughs> and oftentimes people think, come to me and Miranda and they're like, it works for you guys, but it's also, you know, it's, it's work. It's a marriage. It's a, um, takes a lot of communication. So I, I want people to hear about other partnerships and what happens <laughs> with them. So thank you for being willing to share your story. Oh, absolutely. Um, I wish I had, I had had such a positive partnership. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way for me. Um, I see the benefit of partnerships. I entered into one for just that reason. I was, I was actually completing my postdoc mm -hmm. and the person with whom I entered into the partnership was one of my supervisors while on postdoc. And I, I just adored him as, as a clinician. We worked at the VA together and he was wonderful. I loved kind of who he was as a person and how he practiced and how he treated me as an equal and, you know, valued my opinion and all of these things. And so there was another colleague, an intern, the three of us became somewhat close, both personally and professionally. And then once my postdoc year ended, um, I was seeing a few, like two people in private practice mm -hmm. <laughs> and looking for a job. And um, he said, why don't the three of us make a practice? You know, he'd been in practice at that point, probably 20 some odd years. Mm. And uh, the other colleague who was the former intern had had her master's. And so she had been in practice as a, pri as a clinician for about five years and I was sort of the baby of the group having mm -hmm. just finished my postdoc and seeing you know two people in private practice so it sounded like a good idea and you know kind of piggybacking off of his experience and her experience it seemed like the best of all of the worlds coming together I did secure a full-time position while all this was going on and so I was not dependent upon the salary so I want to make that be known as we were creating this but we went through it what ultimately happened was social mishap occurred, I guess. And so the third person in the partnership ended up never actually joining mm. the partnership. Um, for whatever reason, that just fell by the wayside. And so it just became myself and, and my partner. And we moved forward with the practice, neither one of us really knowing much about business <laughs> in that they don't teach you that part in grad school. And we kind of just went forward with what we sort of knew we needed to do kind of, and you know, kind of jumped in and we found a location to have the practice that suited both of us. And we signed some very basic business paperwork that was more like you can find it online in a template and fill in the blank lines kind of thing, even mm -hmm. though we paid a lawyer to do it. Yeah. And, um, that was pretty much about all the planning that went into this. I often say that paperwork is like a prenup. Like <laughs> Miranda and I say that it'd be harder to divorce our spouses than to, I mean, divorce each other than to divorce our spouses. But it's like, 
what happens if I become sick and can't perform my job? What ha I mean, all these like scenarios of um, what's going to happen to the business, you have to think of when you're forming, that you did more just like the basic templates and not what, what happens if you guys yeah. decide to separate. There was no contingency plan whatsoever because we were great friends and this was going to work out and be mm -hmm. awesome and so successful. And it wasn't. So we entered into this practice together. And for the first year of the practice, I probably had a caseload of like six. Mm -hmm. He had a case, a full caseload because he just moved his private practice into the group. And all things related to running the business, marketing the business, everything fell on my shoulders. And he just saw his clients on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays from 8 a.m. until 9 p.m. without a break and did nothing else. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much how the partnership stayed. So I learned mostly by trial and error what is a good idea and what's not such a great idea in running a business. We hired our first employee who was actually um, somewhat of a friend and a longtime colleague of his out of the local school district who had retired. She was a guidance counselor, but also had her license as a clinician and was looking to just work part time. And we hired her. And that's kind of when the business became a group rather than just the two of us having individual private practices and calling it a group. Mm -hmm. It was at that point that things started to heat up between the two of us because now it wasn't, I wasn't just managing me because I never did anything for him. He didn't want me to. Um, now I was managing this other person and I needed his input because it was our business. But his input was basically, it has to be his way, the way he did it and has always done it, or it was wrong. There was no real discussion that could go on around it. So many times I didn't involve him in the choices or the options because it was just easier. And he didn't care because as long as he was getting some money from all of this, that's all that really mattered to him. And so did I was you guys able to split 50, 50 profit or how did you? Yes, we split 50, 50 profit. Um, he earned all of his. So profit was only off of the people we hired. There was mm -hmm. no profit off of our own caseload. So whatever mm -hmm. we earned, we kept. And then profit came from whatever was made from the people we employed. When, as the practice grew, and it did grow at one point, we had four employees wow. plus the two of us. Um, nobody ever had a full caseload. I never had a case. I, that, that practice was in business as a partnership for seven years wow. under me. And that amount of time, I never made more than $30,000. Mm. So, and in the beginning I was making like eight, which I made more than that on internship. Were you still so, having, did you still have your other job? No, I did not. At um, some point you left. I did, I did leave. I did leave eventually. Yeah. Um, I actually went through, a couple of different job changes while this was forming and kind of getting together. But my husband was willing to say, you know, if this is what you really want to do, we'll make it work. Mm -hmm. And so we did. Um, and that was wonderful because it gave me the opportunity to kind of do this. But at the same time, it was, it was disheartening to know that I was putting in all of this time and not really getting much out of it except for headaches. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I apologize. It is awful here with allergies and I 
my throat is miserable. No worries. So we, um, we kind of pushed forward with this, but everything fell on my shoulders. And what I found was that I had no recourse with him. I mean, we basically had a business contract that said, we're in partnership together. This is the financial structure. And there's a generic clause in there about like what you have to do if you want to separate the business, Mm -hmm. which basically is not helpful. And I had no recourse. He would do nothing. He would offer no help. He was unwilling to discuss a possible um, change in financial structure of the business to cover the costs of me doing all of the referrals and managing all of the billing and dealing with all of the insurance headaches and dealing with all client issues and clinician issues and maintenance and upkeep of the office and everything else that went into running the business. He was unwilling to pay me for. I just did it out of the goodness of my heart because. I was taking care of the business. And um, so we ended up hiring like a conflict resolution. uh, Like mediator? Mediator. And paid her a decent amount of money to come in. Cost us like four or $5,000 to meet with her and have her kind of interview us and pull it all together and provide us with a report and suggestions. And in the end, what ultimately happened was she basically thought that he was being a little bit harsh and rigid and he didn't like that. And so everything she said got tossed out the window and we went right back to what we were doing. Um, That was the beginning of the end for me. So that was around year four, four and a half. Mm -hmm. And that was when I was really like, I can't keep doing this the way it is. I hated going to work every day because I had to see him. We were, we had now expanded the office because we had too many people. So now we were in a double office suite. Our rent had doubled, you know, there were more problems that would arise from all of that. And he was just seeing his clients from 8am until 9pm, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And Mm -hmm. I was doing everything else still. And um, eventually it got to a point where we did not speak like, Mm -hmm we could be standing next to each other in the hallway in the office and would not look at each other and would not speak. It was so uncomfortable that the employees would be uncomfortable being around us. It was just a stressful place to be. And I think that's why people started to leave. Um, Two clinicians sort of exited at about the same time, both going into private practice on their own, uh, private practice on their own eventually. Um, And then uh, two or three remained kind of throughout this process. And I can remember just being miserable through the whole thing and, and wondering how it had all gone so wrong, but also what could I have done to make it be different? So when, after a lot of soul searching, I decided I couldn't do this anymore. Um, I wrote him a letter <laughs> to let him know that I was going to be leaving the business and that, you know, these were the things that I wanted when I left. I wanted the name of the business because I had created it from the ground up. It was me who had made all of the contacts and developed sort of our image. So I wanted the name of the business. I wanted half of the furnishings because I was going to be opening up a new practice and didn't want to spend all that money again. And I wanted to, I think I was going to take half of whatever the profits were for that year. Oh, I think I wanted the phone number. Mm-hmm. Only, 
it doesn't matter. I wanted the, I wanted the fax phone number. Actually, I didn't care about the main number. He said no to everything. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to leave, I could leave. That was fine, but I wasn't taking anything with me. And so ensued a two and a half year legal battle wow. that probably cost me tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> um, he threatened to take me to court on multiple occasions for things that were just inane. Like I asked him, I sent him emails, I sent him certified letters to please call the phone company and change the account over to his name so that I was not responsible for it anymore. He never did it. So I called them. I told him I did it. I told him the date it would all change, the date he needed to call them by. He threatened to sue me because I shut off his phones. Mm-hmm. This is where we were at at that point. Mm-hmm. And it was horrible. Probably I was divorced. Mm-hmm. Like I was married, I was divorced. This was so much worse. Like you, you just can't even put into words how horrible it was. I was totally stressed out. I was losing weight. I was, you know, miserable at home. I was trying to build my current practice in the process. Um, and that was consistently being stalled because now I'm dealing with other legal things. The other piece was eventually I I did get to keep the fax phone number. So his faxes would come to my new office and then I'd have to give him these faxes, many of which were from his lawyer about our court case. So now I have paperwork I'm not supposed to have. Like, that's totally stressful. What do I do with this? Um, We, like I, well, I said this to Kelly beforehand, we actually are co-located in the same building. I found space in the building that we had been that our office had been located in down the hall and I took it because it was affordable. It was reasonable and it was easy for my clients to remember (laughs) at that Mm -hmm. point. And so, you know, we would see each other and it was just like vicious, you know, they say daggers and it was, and, you know, just trying to make it all work. My, what I came out of this from was that Partnerships can be very beneficial. I think having somebody else to kind of shoulder things with you and bounce ideas off of and work with collaboratively can be great, but you need to do the background legwork to it. You have to get advice. You have to know what you need to have in place before you can ever get the key to the office and say, we're going to do this. Lay down the business plan, lay down the legal documents that you need to have in place that are going to discuss what is the financial structure? How do we end this business? What are people's responsibilities? Um, You know, even simple things like what, you know, what is and is not going to be uh, a focus for, for us moving forward, you know, have a little bit of an idea of kind of where you want to go. We did nothing. We did nothing. And when it was time to split, it was, it it was like trying to, you know, divide jello. That's a great, I like that metaphor. That makes sense. It was wiggly, jiggly. It would fall (laughs) into pieces. You couldn't hang on to it well. You know, you thought you cut it equally, but really it was, it was awful. And if we had done some of the background work that if, you go to your local, you know, small business association, they'll tell you, do these things. They'll lay it out for you. Mm -hmm. You might not need as extensive paperwork as they give you, but do it. It takes time and it's a pain in the butt and it's a headache. And you're like, what is this really going to do for me? But it is so worth it because if you get to a place where you decide, 
hey, we just have different visions and I want to go this <laughs> way and you want to go that way, or, oh my gosh, I can't work with this person another day, they're awful. You know what that looks like at the end. I didn't. I didn't know anything. And I kind of was like, oh, he's my friend. It'll be great. Mm -hmm. He wasn't. And he wasn't my friend at the end. Why do you think you stayed so long? Um, I have a problem with failure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's a sense of like to walk away felt like a failure and you're going to make this work come hell or high water kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that and my husband was also a motivating force. He was like, so my partner's name was Doug and he's like, Doug can't be this big of an idiot. Like just give him six more months and he'll come around. Well, we did a lot of six more months yeah. and Doug didn't come around. So, you know, my husband was always, he's definitely a, an optimist and mm. or optimistic about things. And mm -hmm. so was really like, you know, it's not going to be that bad. You're just in a tough place right now. And I'm like, okay, after a year and a half, I was like, Nope, it's really this bad. It, it's yeah. really this bad. I really can't keep doing this. Doug really isn't going to come around. We've, you know, tried to intervene with outside people. We've done, you know, we you, renegotiated. It just didn't work. Are you glad you fought or do you wish you had just said here, take it all and just walked away and started over? So ultimately I did walk away and start over. I did not get anything that I had. That's not true. I did get half the furnishings and I did get the fax phone number. That ended up being expensive, the fax and the furnishings. The fax phone number turned out to be really expensive. And I lost everything else, um, including my sanity for a period of time. Am I happy I fought? I think it's a mixed bag at this point. I don't think I would have been okay with just walking away. Mm -hmm. It would have saved a lot of time and energy. Yeah. I don't know that it would have saved me any money because I think we ultimately would have ended up in a legal battle because that's kind of how he does things in the end. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that it would have saved me a whole lot of money, but it may um, have saved you stress and heartache and yes, emotion. it would have saved me stress and heartache. What was it like to see clients during wow. this time? Well, the good part was we were at opposite ends of the office. So except to get my clients out of the waiting room, I never had to be near him during the day. And my clients, I think my clients were relatively shielded from the fact that we weren't getting along because it was so. But what was it like for you? You're in this space that it doesn't feel safe uh -oh. or comfortable. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. What was it like for you though, at doing therapy in a space where you don't feel totally happy? And like, what is that like? Because I, some of the stuff we've been talking about in the series is, you know, like whatever loss or stuff that's happening. And what is it like to still have to be there for your clients? For some people, it's been like a distraction or a respite from, um, what's happening, but for you, what was that like? So it was sort of twofold. I think because my office was sort of my sanctuary and it was mm -hmm. far enough away from him that I didn't, I could pretend that we weren't actually in the same place. Mm -hmm. It was easier to be there for my clients because my, my office was, if you wish, my safe space. It was a place where I could be and not have to 
concern myself with what was going on with him. Mm-hmm. And I was able to maintain that space for my clients. If you saw me in my office when it was just, you know, I had time that I needed to be doing things related to work, I was probably more stressed out. But when my clients were there, it was still my safe space. He did not invade my office. In fact, I think he was in my office when, because I, when we expanded, I expanded into the second suite. And so my office was as far away from his as possible. And I think he came down to my office once in like the three years we had that space. Mm-hmm. So his presence wasn't even in my office, which kind of kept it yeah. um, comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. But I, when I left, and I don't think I knew it when I was actually in the midst of it, when I left and I ended up in my own office, I felt so light, like I could just walk in and be, and there was nothing else that I needed to worry about. Whatever headaches were going on were my headaches. Like I either I had created them or I knew what they were and I didn't need to negotiate with anybody around it because it was some dynamic of, you know, what needed to be taken care of at that moment that I had full control over. So there was, you know, I definitely think it, I think I changed when I finally had my own space and I was able to be completely away from the partnership and the old business. But my clients never commented. And I've still actually to this day is seeing some clients that I saw when that business first started, which I don't know what that says about my clinical work, but. <laughs> I see one term. I don't, everyone's um, different, so. And, uh, you know, they never said anything. I did have one client who was very vocal about kind of the employees and and my partner throughout, even from the very beginning. And that's just kind of his personality. Mm -hmm. And I never, I was very careful to never, ever make mention of him to any of my clients or say anything negative about the business. That's just not the way I wanted it to be. So this was completely unsolicited by my client. He's like, you know, that old guy that works here. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) but I would think too, he had negative things to say about him. So You know, I don't know if it was because he felt some, my client felt something from me and then translated it into him, or if it was just him being my client being my client. But that was the only thing I ever got. I think, like, you, you even spoke to like employees feeling it. I mean, people feel stuff when they walk into rooms and it makes sense. I mean, regardless of if it's picking up on your attention or they feel it within themselves. And it's kind of like a family, right? Yes. The kid feels it in the other room and the parents are fighting in the kitchen or whatever. But what, why do you think, is it your drive to grow it when you were still struggling? Like you were saying, like, I never really had a full caseload because it's hard to have, honestly, if you are struggling so much on the admin side and there's so much weighted on you, it's hard to do the other as well. You know, so it makes sense why you never had a full caseload because you had all these other things that were taking your energy and attention. Why do you think you still wanted to like grow it or um, expand something that was so painful? Is it still that drive for like, I don't want to fail kind of thing? Like the expansion is what mattered or what? I really wanted, I guess I thought what our plan was, what our vision was for the practice was a good, you know, like it was a solid vision. It had potential. And Mm -hmm. if it just was given a little more time and a little more nurturing, Mm -hmm. it would catch. And, you know, that tipping point would, you know, it would take off whatever that meant, uh, you know, 
I don't, I guess I didn't have that well defined. So maybe I don't know what takeoff looks like at that point, but that was, that was really where it came. Like I wanted it to grow because I wanted it to succeed, not because I didn't want it to fail, but because I really wanted it to succeed. And I thought it had potential to succeed. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were times where it looked like that might happen. You know, we were getting more referrals. We had the employees had full caseloads and, you know, people were satisfied, both the clinicians and also the, the clients. And so it felt like, okay, you know, Yes, blood, sweat, and tears. Yes, it's kind of a miserable existence on the other side, but this has potential and it looks like it can go somewhere and and then it would be short-lived. So it was, mm-hmm. you know, that, what's that reinforcement cycle that you can't break? Um, yeah. Testing my knowledge, but it it was that kind of a thing. And so that's, I think, what kept the drive going. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually the pain won. I yeah. just couldn't do it anymore. And I appreciate you being honest about that because I think it is a common thing of, it's not just about knowing what to say yes to, but it's also knowing when to say this isn't working or like it's, it's hard to know when to pivot too. I think that that's something that we grow into over time as business owners and we practice through trial and error. And when you have a vision and something you really believe in, hard to pivot on those things because you're in it and you're committed. Right. And I think that was it, you know, it was kind of like, this is my baby. The the other piece to all of this is that I felt a little indebted to my partner. Um, You know, he was a senior clinician. He had been in private practice and quite successful in private practice. Here he'd partnered with me and were floundering you know, well, what's, what's the new piece? Well, it was me, you know, what, what didn't I do well enough or what was I missing or what, you know, how can I add so that this can be more successful for him? Um, You know, in addition, I piggybacked off of him in terms of getting into onto insurance panels and referral bases and because he was so established. So there was a piece of me that felt a little indebted, like I need to do because I don't know that he did anything for me, but he provided kind of a right a, a starting point. Can I speak to that from like the yeah. coach's perspective? Because yeah. Miranda and I talk about this too, that when you partner, you both have to know what you're bringing to the table that the other partner doesn't have. Otherwise that kind of like indebtedness can happen because when I met Miranda, she was already coaching. So, and she's like, come do this with me. And, um, and so she kind of had some, she had done MFT guide. She had had a list. She had kind of established herself and I hadn't, I was like the new kid on the block, but I had some other skill sets that she didn't, you know, like, I don't know, the way her brain works blows me away. Sometimes like the way she connects stuff is so different than me. And I can be like the steady organizational force, but then she kind of adds, I don't know, she flips it on its head. So that's, so I brought kind of like the planning vision organization and she brought some of the like she has a very different creative bent, um, which I've grown into more at, w- with time, but it's something I've always appreciated about her. And I have always been really vigilant about like, does this feel fair? 
um, always. Like, I think it's the only child in me that wants things to be fair. <laughs> and so I'm always like, hey, um, I'm taking off this much time. Is that fair to you? You know, like, I want us to feel like equitable partners because it's so easy for that resentment to creep in. And it's something you have to like communicate about. And I think you've been honest about when you started, you didn't know. It's kind of like, you know, why, why was a partnership even needed versus just office sharing? That's very different, you know, versus like, Hey, let's like all just support each other and rent offices in the same building versus let's sign documents and get married and split profits, you know, and knowing what each other brings is so key. And I think because that wasn't established, I could see why you're trying to establish it for yourself of like, what do I have here? I'm in, you know, like here. And so it kind of shifted the power in a sense internally for you, the way you approached it sounds like. It did. And again, like I said, he was a senior clinician and, you know, I had just finished my postdoc. So I'm definitely green. And, um, you know, he did mentor me through the beginning. Like I said, we were friends and then, you know, the beginning, it was fine. It was, it was great given that, you know, he was able to kind of just move his private practice in and continue doing what he was doing. And I was able to establish myself somewhat as a clinician at that point with his help. So in that sense, it was, it was a great working relationship. Looking back, yeah, office sharing probably would have been a better choice. (laughs) But, you know, hindsight is 2020. Yeah. I learned, I learned a lot about what not to do. Sure. Moving forward. I will say though, and um, this is why Miranda is so key right now, those practices that I put into place in the first go around of running a business were not necessarily business practices as much as they were my partner's business practices, which I think deserve their own category. And so they've followed me, but they don't work great ultimately. And so I still battle some of the same headaches that I was battling before which is sort of like battling him, even though he's not there as a person, um, his practices still kind of followed and it's hard to shake that stuff. Mm. And and so the shadow of this original business still kind of follows me, even though my current practice is ex and don't hear this as my practice is wonderfully successful because it's not yet. (laughs) It's on its way, but it's not yet. Um, But hard on yourself, but okay. (laughs) By him and all of those things. And so trying to be successful still under that shadow kind of taints it a little bit. Uh, You know, Miranda's doing her best to shake a little sense into me as we move through this, my awesome year program. And she's doing a great job, even though I'm resistant at times. And, uh, you know, but it's been, it's been hard because once you kind of get into a habit or a practice, as we all know as clinicians and trying to help other people, it's difficult to break that. And, you know, same thing happens with businesses. You kind of get it in your head. Well, this is the way it goes. And it's been hard to shake some of that stuff. And so even though I got out of the the partnership and I have been much more successful in this second go around, I think some of what holds me back is that I still use these old business practices that were his that I didn't even come up with. We just, you know, kind of took them on as being 
SOPs and they've remained. So, you know, even those types of things as you enter into a partnership is, you know, really spell everything out and don't just accept, well, because it works for X person in this certain environment, it's going to work for us in Y environment because it may not. And being able to have those kind of discussions. So one of the things I would say is if you can, if you can establish solid communication early on in a partnership, Mm -hmm. it's going to prove to be one of the keys to making that a successful partnership long-term. And that is something that we did not have. You know, we were able to be social and chat about things not related to the business. But when it came to the business, those lines of communication were never established. They weren't spelled out in any kind of documents and ultimately was the downfall to our partnership because we could not talk, literally could not talk about anything. But you have a group practice now. I want people to know that. I do have a group practice now. I have five employees. Um, It's, it's great. I mean, there are things that need you tweaking. Is what I survived definitely. <laughs> I'm I'm my salary doubled mm-hmm. when I opened my own practice. When I not that when I op- when I opened the second group practice, mm-hmm. um, you know I was able to hire people that were a better fit for mm-hmm. what my vision was rather than what our stated vision was in the old business. And interestingly enough, one of the employees who had worked for me previously in the old business ended up coming and working for me again. Mm. Um, she, she stayed in the old business and then ultimately decided she wanted to leave and come back and, and work for me because it was a better fit with who she was. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it wasn't all bad in the old business and I don't want it to sound yeah. that way because there were positives that came out of it. I really liked the people that we hired. The clinicians were great. You know, my clients were wonderful running a business although at times very painful, was also a great experience. I got to cut my teeth in what I consider to be a little bit of a safe environment because there was somebody else to sort of shoulder some of the financials around it if things got out of hand. So in that sense, it was great. There was a lot of it that ultimately turned out to not be so wonderful and helpful. And so getting out of that partnership needed to happen. And then taking what I learned from that and being able to be successful in a group practice again has been a very fulfilling experience. Yeah, I can imagine it feels like healing in a sense of like, oh, it wasn't just all, <laughs> it wasn't all bad, you know, because you can leave, when stuff doesn't work out like planned, it, and especially when it's of your own creation or co-creation, it can feel reflective of you, you know, of like, oh, then I... I suck. (laughs) Like sometimes it, like I've had many, many attempts at other things and projects and businesses that didn't work out. And in the moment can be like, is that a reflection of who I am? So I can imagine it's so nice and affirming to see, oh no, for A, I'm really resilient. B, I can learn new ways of doing things. C, I can, I can see what I replicated and what I don't want to and work through that. And it'd still be successful. I know you're telling everyone like, it's not, it's not a success. Well, yes, we all still have more room to grow, but I mean, you're doing it and you are yeah, growing no. your business and making changes and yep. came out of it. I did. You're alive on the other side, which is good. <laughs> I am very much alive on the other side. And 
it has been, I don't know. Here's the thing that I always go back to. If I could go back and do it again, would I do it the same way? Well, I think the answer is yes, because it's gotten me to where I am now with the knowledge that I have and being able to look back on it and say, okay, could it have been different? Maybe. Were there other options available to me? Yes, but I didn't know that then. And now looking at everything and saying, all right, you know what? You did the best you could. And here's what happens when you're not battling with someone else who's kind of Mm -hmm. being, I'm going to say difficult for lack of better terminology at this point, and where you can go when that happens. And so as much as it was not the greatest experience, and I you know, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but if you have to go through it, you, you do, you can rise you are a Phoenix. You can rise again <laughs> from the flames and be better yeah. because that's what we do in a metamorphosis. And that's kind of what this was for me. It was, and it, you know, take into consideration that it was not, it was a longer term. It was, you know, six, seven, eight years by the time it was all figured out, but moving forward, you know, I have been able to take that growth and turn it into something that is much more consistent with me as a person, as a Mm -hmm. clinician and find that there are successes that can happen from the ruins. I think that's what honors honors our challenges is when we learn from them and grow from them. Um, We, we take ownership of our part in them and that's where we create something even better every time. I will say that I have learned to mellow out as a person <laughs> after all this. Like there are other options. It doesn't have to be my way or your way. Uh-huh. And that was a hard lesson to learn. <laughs> yeah. I know the art of compromise well. And I'm and I mean I think there's just sort of like oh, what really matters. I think you yeah. come down to like all right, you want to do it that way? Cool. Whatever. I mean, like, but then there's some things that are like, no, I, there's just no way. I think that's become less and less as Miranda and I have known each other. I mean, we were not friends first and that really helped us. I think that was our <laughs> biggest advantage. People often think like we were like these close buddies. We'd seen each other in person once and had dinner together. And that was it. Like, wow. Yeah. I'm telling you very, very lucky. And the fact that we weren't friends allowed, um, and I would say still like, even though we are friends and we're close and our family support each other and we are there for each other, we're business partners first. And it makes that a lot easier. I think than when people are friends, and they come in, you know, just in, in love with their friends and <laughs> excited to be doing an adventure together. But this is a marriage, you know, like, uh, do you really, why don't, and we always, we always say like, maybe you should date first before you get married. Like maybe you should office share. Maybe you should like really see like, do I need to marry this person <laughs> or do I just need support? Yeah. yeah. It's one of the things that, you know, I, I always hear with couples, you know, the, the cute things that they loved when they were first together are the things that they're coming yes. in and like ready to kill your partner about, right? Totally. Like it was the same thing in the partnership. Like all of those aspects that were wonderful about him as a supervisor and a senior clinician and as a friend were great. 
they did not translate well as a business partner and I wanted to kill him, <laughs> but kill him because it was frustrating. You know, sure. it's frustrating when you can't make movement with another person. Yeah. So yeah, I, you know, I, I sort of swore off partnerships after that. So that's it. I'm all done. <laughs> right. I think um, there's a, I think, yeah. and let me just say for those that are listening that don't know, there is a difference between a partnership, a joint venture. So like partnerships are where you actually like form a business with a president, a vice president, like, and you own, you determine a percentage of ownership um, versus a JV is where a junior venture, a joint venture is where two businesses come together on a project and they determine like, okay, for this event or this project, we're gonna do this, we're gonna bring our resources together, and this is how we're gonna split the profits, those kinds of things. Um, so, and this is, and sometimes those are a little bit easier to define because they're short term, so it's like, I'm gonna do this part of the marketing and you're gonna do this part, you know. Um, but even those sometimes uh, amongst friends can be, can be challenging. So there's different levels of commitment within the business structures too. But oftentimes I will say, you know, get really clear and solid within yourself before you, you know, know who you are before you partner with someone. Yeah. Don't, just because you're great friends doesn't mean you're going to be great business partners. And that I think is something that is key in all of this. And I, wish someone had said that to me way mm -hmm. back when, because I just figured, hey, we're great friends. Of course, we'll be great business partners. Mm -hmm. And that, that doesn't always work out. So, yeah. you know, had we been office sharing, I probably would have learned that we weren't going to make business, great business partners, but I didn't. And we just jumped into a partnership. Yeah. So again, it, if I would say there's a takeaway from all of this, it's before you decide to sign any paperwork to do anything, make sure you've done your research and you've done some getting to know the person that you're going to be getting into, into this relationship with. And that's what it is. It's a relationship. It's yes. not, you know, it's not like going to the store and seeing the clerk yeah. there and walking away. Like this person is with you a lot. Yes. And you know, you're, if you have a significant other, you may spend more time with your business partner mm -hmm. in the beginning than you do yeah. with your partner. So bear that in mind in terms of, you know, kind of like how well you need to know this person before you decide to do this. Yeah. And that would be my big piece of tape, my big takeaway from all of this. Cause I didn't, I didn't do that. And I think had I done some of that, it wouldn't have been the way it was in the end. Sure. Um, well, what I appreciate is not so much, you know, it's not so much about regret. It's just about learning and, I appreciate you sharing your story so that other people can learn from it and maybe take heed and, and not get married too soon or to the wrong fit or whatever. Divorce does happen in business and you can recover from it just like we help our clients through their divorces and such. But definitely if you can avoid the divorce, it's always better. <laughs> Thank you, Gina, so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, I had fun, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, and if you guys um, have any questions, feel free to post in the blog. Um, Gina, where can people find out about your practice? Or So the practice right now, our um, 
what is our web address? It's <laughs> good question. It's www.baystatecwc.com. Mm -hmm. um, I'll put the link in the show notes. So. Great. Okay. All right. All right, you guys. Uh, more to learn from when life happens and uh, what that means for our businesses. We'll keep this series going for a few more rounds, but thanks for being here and we'll see you next time.